We are all unique, and how each of us moves through life by working with the unseen, spiritual parts of us looks different. If one way you access support is through books, and you haven't tried the Soulquake Survival Guide yet, today's a great day to try it before you buy it. Head to the show notes where I have a link for you to receive a free PDF of the first chapter. Enjoy the first chapter, and if you love it, you can find it on Amazon Worldwide in paperback, audio, and ebook. Your journey matters, my friend, and reviving your connection to spirit in earth-shaking times can be a game changer. Welcome to Enthusiastically Spiritual. I'm your host, Teresa Schantz. I am an enthusiastic soul passionate about the spiritual part of life. Spirituality today is like an indulgent dessert buffet filled to the brim with unique offerings and services from amazing souls around the world. Join me in chowing down on some mini morsel bites to satisfy your spiritual sweet tooth starting now. As energetic beings, we all have the ability to tap into the psychic side of our lives And maybe you have. I mean, have you ever had dreams or visions that have come true? Have you ever spoke to someone that has passed on? Have you ever had a near-death experience? How about have you ever had imaginary friends that actually came alive? Maybe you've had one or two of those happen, but my guest today can answer yes to all of those questions. His name is Walter Zaychak. Walter is a highly respected psychic medium, NLP practitioner, Reiki master, and author who has brought insights to thousands of people in over 40 countries worldwide since 2002. His life has been filled with with verified psychic phenomena, a verified shared near-death experience, and hundreds of dreams and visions that came true. Walter believes we are here on earth to overcome challenges, to experience contrasts, We are here to love, to be happy, and to have fun. Walter is the author of a powerful novel based on his life where two childhood imaginary friends became real live women. His book, They They Came Beyond Deja Vu, is his story of overcoming childhood abandonment in post-war Germany, triumphing over physical and sexual abuse, creating an exciting music career, recognizing his psychic abilities, and finding empowerment and self-love. This book is an international, sensuous, captivating, supernatural thriller, and I'm honored to welcome Walter. Welcome, Walter. Thank you so much, Teresa. It's great to be here. I appreciate you inviting me. Well, I am so excited you're here, and we have so much to talk about because your book, They Came Beyond Deja Vu, is amazing. And I would love to tap Thank into you. this book and have you share a bit about how it came about, because this is a pretty amazing story you have. How the, how the book came about or how the story about uh, came about? Let's talk about um, your first psychic experience, because that's kind of how the book started. Right, okay. Walter? <laughs> we talked a little yeah. bit beforehand. So yeah. yeah. Well, the, my first psychic experience... <clears throat> Um, I think like most people who end up uh, being psychic, uh, being aware of their own psychic ability, the experiences that we have when we're younger, they're normal. 
we're not aware that that's a psychic experience. Nobody's telling us, hey, you're having a psychic experience now. <laughs> and so for me, it was normal, but I figured out later that, oh, yeah, that was a psychic experience. And that was a vision. I had gone to a movie with my older brother, who a half-brother who was 10 years older than me. And uh, he's not in the book to, to protect his privacy. And... Uh, um, Cousin Manfred is in the book, plays that role, right? <laughs> but um, took me to my mo a movie, and I think maybe it was the first movie I ever went to. I was still five at that time. And I uh, saw this incredible movie of a, a, a teenage girl, like maybe 17 or 18, who was just beautiful and about the nicest person you could ever meet. And I saw interactions with her family and how close and loving the family was. And she goes on a uh, ride in a large cargo truck, a semi truck with her father, who is a truck driver, and they get into a horrific accident. And uh, she ends up uh, having her face crushed in. And I see all the details of her being at the, above her body in the, at the top of the truck cabin. I see her being helicoptered to a hospital. I see her floating above her body in surgery. I see her taking a near-death journey where she went beyond the light and I went with her. And she came back when they uh, did the defibrillator on her. And I saw the day that uh, the bandages came off and how she responded. And all of that in detail. And I was moved. Wow, what a cool story. And I needed to talk to my brother about it. And every time I brought it up, he said, we didn't see that movie. What are you talking about? We saw such and such a movie, right? And I figured out later that I had fallen asleep and had this dream, this vision. But then I kept seeing that in a semi-waking state and a dream state over and over and over and over. And this girl, Maria, in the book, became my constant companion. And uh, this was before uh, I was sent to an orphanage. And uh, the, yes, that was my first psychic experience of, of, of being in a different world in vivid detail and remembering every detail. Wow. It's interesting because like you said, um, you know, we all have different experiences when we're younger and it's just recognizing how those really are. I mean, it's part of us, right? I mean, we're, we're energetic souls. We've got these abilities to, you know, have clear hearing, clear seeing, clear knowing, clear feeling. And then it's just, and then it gets stopped. And then, so for some reason, yours kept going, which is interesting. So what do you, what do you attribute that to? Um, let me set the story up uh, because it'll make sense when I set the story up. And it's it's um, where the book starts. Um, it was 11 years after World War II ended in Germany. Um, and Germany uh, had 36 cities that were anywhere from 85 to 95% leveled by American and British bombers towards the end of the war. And this is statistics from Exeter University in the United Kingdom. And um, even 11 years after the war, my city was still 50% bombed out shells of buildings and piles of rubble. We, you take a bus downtown and block after block after block was just destruction. And the point is Germany was exceedingly poor. 
you know, yeah, there were autobahns, but there weren't any cars on them. I didn't ride in a car until I was seven, almost seven. And um, <clears throat> I, in the middle of that, was sent on a train ride. I was told I was going on a train ride, and I was so very excited because I had an old, older half-brother and half-sister who had always gotten to do so much more stuff than I ever got to do. I was excited. Went with a Red Cross lady on a train ride, and oh, it was so much fun. And at the end of the train ride, a long walk through the countryside, I ended up at a place called Orphanage, which was a word I had never heard before. And I was told I would never be going home again. And that was unbelievable. This is beyond my capacity to even understand complete disbelief. Um, that night I got beat up by uh, one of the kids in the orphanage. And there were good times every once in a while, some closeness. But then this one girl I was close to, Heidi, in the book, that you read about it, then she got adopted. I just, there was just no sense of security and there were so few adults to go around and everybody was clamoring for the attention of any adult. And so I'm answering the question of how, why did I hang on to my psychic ability? It's because that's all I had. That's all I had. And I figured out years later when I went into therapy with a psychologist that I had tapped into this entity in the spirit world in order to have a companion. And I did that with two of them. Which are in the book. Yes. And here's another thing just to add to that. I have found in my own work and then uh, the, the work of studying famous psychics and regular working psychics like, like us. And that is that, the, the phrase we, in these exact words, I hear it over and over. We are the wisest we will ever be when we're five years old and younger. Because we're sweet, precious, innocent, and we're still in tune with where we came from, the spirit world, right? Yeah. And so um, hanging on to that was also a refuge because it was familiar to me, the spirit world. And then, of course, this girl I had seen over and over and over, and we had become companions where we interacted, where we spoke, and she answered, and, and we would fly to the clouds and fly over the meadow and just do amazing things that were um, nurturing and, well, companionship, right, which I didn't have anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, I'd you know, if I was in the meadow being with her, if I wasn't with her, I was just alone in the meadow, even though there were tons of other kids around me, right? We were all alone. And <laughs> most of us still are, even as adults, right? Even when we're in a relationship, ultimately, yeah, we're alone. <laughs> That's depressing, isn't it? Sorry. <laughs> no, no, but it is true. Yeah. Or, or many people feel alone. We're really not alone. We have, I believe we have our guidance. We've got a personal team of guidance we work with. Or ascended yes. masters or angels or whatever you yeah. want to call them or even yeah. beings from other places. So we're yeah. never really alone, but, but a lot of people do feel alone. Yeah. Yeah. So what, a, that, what a story, Walter. Yeah. Thank you. So after a year in the orphanage, I was adopted by an American Air Force couple and they were abusive. Literally within 
weeks after being adopted, I was getting spanked so hard that my bottom was bleeding. Mm. Bare bottom, you know, with yeah. tools, wooden spoons and the back of a hairbrush. Yeah. Wow. And um, so things went from bad to worse. And um, I, I, I was lost, you know. I, I My perspective on life was that uh, the perspective of a victim. I felt powerless and uh, constantly felt like the universe was messing with me. And then there were times, gosh, I was angry at, at my mama for this, right? And then I haven't filled in that story. The reason that I ended up at an orphanage and was told that I would never be home, go home again and didn't know about that was my mama had been dying of cancer for a year. Up until that point, she knew she was dying. Everybody in the family knew she was dying, except little Walter, who they decided wasn't emotionally strong enough to accept the fact that his mama was in the process of dying. So I was angry at her for dying, for leaving me. But then also, you know, without really understanding it rationally, just that sense of, you, you never said goodbye. <laughs> right. Right, right. And your father, I mean, he showed up in the book. He came to visit you at the orphanage. Yeah, and he he was a severe alcoholic, severe wife beater. He would literally beat the crap out of her every few nights. Sometimes it felt like every night when he came home. And he would always come home drunk, always. And he he was an angry man. He had... Not to excuse him, but maybe to explain some of the anger. He was captured by, in the Second World War, everybody had to be a soldier. You know, you weren't necessarily a Nazi or a member of the party. You had to be a soldier. You were conscripted. And he ended up in Russia. And the Russian front got captured pretty early. And they put him to work in a coal mine for the next three years. And his health deteriorated massively. He came out just totally sick and angry as, angry as hell. My Uncle Walter, who I was named after, he got captured early in the war, too, in North Africa when the war, Second World War was being fought over there between the Americans and the Germans in the, the deserts of North Africa. And he was sent to Montana and Idaho, prisoner of war camps, and he said he was treated like a king. <laughs> and he loved the Americans, right? And um, after the war, he opened up a tavern and, and uh, catered mostly to American soldiers because he had learned some really bad English, mostly swear words. <laughs> and they loved him because he liked Americans, right? And he, I met him again years later, and he told me that, it was amazing to him because the Germans treated prisoner of war, prisoners of war just horrif horrifyingly, treated people horrifyingly. And, and, you know, for him, it was just, God bless America. This is great. Thank you, Montana, Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So the contrast, Walter, from going from that, you know, upbringing, coming to America, having abusive family, and then to where you're at now. I mean, because you're obviously very well-rounded. You, I mean, clearly you've done some work on yourself and you've done some therapy and things, but how were the years between like where you're at now and when you were young? I mean, and when did you really step into being a psychic medium? 
So the first part of the question, how were the years in between? I buried myself in music. I had a natural talent for music. And even though my adopted parents were abusive, my adopted father provided me with musical instruments and some encouragement. And that literally saved me because I could sit down at the piano and just come up with chords and sing a song to myself and be comforted, be in peace, be in heaven. Um, I ended up playing clarinet, got into the Air Force Band on clarinet. But while I was in the Air Force Band, I switched to drum set because I could. <laughs> and I met somebody who became a very famous drummer later who was in the Air Force Band with me. And he started me out on lessons. And I ended up having a 28-year career as a drummer professionally. Um, ended up um, with a, in a band that had a number 18 billboard chart hit in Europe. I was on, on the TV a lot and signed autographs and stuff. That was a cool experience. But the coolest thing that I did was for 10 years, I traveled all over Europe doing large audience concerts for um, recording artists. It would be a, a show of multiple recording artists that some agent had put together and they would hire only one band who had to sight read all the music and it paid well and it was in front of thousands of people, one time 27,000 people. It was just incredibly fulfilling and a whole different world, right? But my friend Hal, who was also a drummer, he and I really identified on the fact that, yeah, I'm a different person behind that drum set. I'm confident and I'm there. I'm in that world, right? But put me in a social situation and... I'll, I'll blush at the drop of a hat. I had no, no emotional self-confidence. So I got lost in music, right? And then right. did it relatively successfully. Then real life got in the way and um, ended up doing day jobs because it, it's hard to consistently make a living in the arts. And then it was in uh, this day job after a few years that I met uh, one of my imaginary friends in real life became a real person in my life. And that put me in a, at a point and she reflected it too of, are you crazy? You're nuts. How is this even possible? And I was uh, eventually she, she felt threatened, emotionally threatened by the things that I knew about her because I was able to finish the story of her traumatic accident and able to tell her things she had never told another person, five things. And it was beautiful at first, but then she felt violated because it looks saw me as potentially a creep and 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 or did i do research and or what were my intentions and what the hell and then she completely cut the relationship off and for me that was almost as devastating as that first day at the orphanage because this was my link to little walter i had known her since before the orphanage and yet no that was in the spirit world she didn't recognize me i recognized her once I was able to finish her story, but that's the thing that caused me to also question my own sanity and to realize that what my good friends had been telling me for years, dude, you need some help, that they were right. <laughs> yeah, you know, and they would say, considering what you went through, even if you don't 
admit it. You need some help. <laughs> and that's when I realized, yeah, I don't know where to put this. Maybe I am crazy. How is this even possible? How is it possible? And especially that I had seen the details of her accident over and over and over year after year. And so it caused me to seek a psychologist and the psychologist is the daughter of a Toltec shaman. And some people in the audience may know, uh, maybe everybody knows that Toltec shaman is uh, the tradition of uh, the teachings of uh, teachings of Don Juan by uh, Carlos Castaneda, who also became a Toltec shaman. Don Juan was a Toltec shaman, Don Juan Matus. And then uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, who wrote The Four Agreements, he's a Toltec shaman. And this is a tradition uh, in Central and South America that goes back thousands of years, 10,000 maybe. Ancient wisdom, beautiful wisdom. And her father was one of these. And so she had been going to other realities, other worlds, and experiencing stuff that was beyond description ever since her earliest memories. And in the first session, she said, oh, dude, compared to what I've seen, that was nothing. You're not crazy. You're psychic. You're psychic, right? And so that was my first awareness of Oh, <laughs> right, because, yeah, but then uh, uh, being psychic, right, in other words, like I mentioned earlier, when we have psychic experiences, for most of us, we don't know that it's a psychic experience now. <laughs> it's just, yeah, this is normal, this is just my life, and what other life do we have to compare it to? Right. And that was honestly long before, like today, there is so much spirituality out there, mediumship out there. I mean, Maybe a lot of people still don't believe in it, but a lot it's it's more mainstream now. And so yeah. obviously during that time it quite wasn't, and you had to really step into that, right? Yeah. And and um of course, yeah, therapy, right? It wasn't solved in the first session, it was session mm-hmm. after session. And the thing that she taught me that is so important to me and my work that I try to convey to every client in every session. And that is, Oh my God, you have to love yourself passionately. Mm -hmm. And like most people, I find that among my clients, maybe you do too. They don't want to hear that. It's like, dude, can't I get other people to love me? Why do I have to love me? Right. That's hard. (laughs) And, And, I, she would demand, right? Pretty insistent. She was beautiful, is beautiful. And uh, a beautiful soul, beautiful heart, right? And just was there for me like nobody else ever had been because she understood. Um, but she would say, you need to go home, look Walter in the eyes in the mirror and say, I love you, Walter, and say it over and over and over. I couldn't do it. And I'm sure you know from your work, with Tom, a lot of people have that problem, just can't do it because yeah. we've lived lives of lives of being torn down, put down, and we end up believing it. And no, I don't love him. He sees this and that, which is wrong. Right. right. So, but eventually it took a long time. Eventually I was able, and then she put me through a, a technique, which I do with clients too, where she put little five-year-old Walter on my lap with his back towards me and had me put my head at the top of his head and like in NLP, feel his hair and smell his hair and smell his skin and feel his little heart beating and, you know, bring in all five senses and, and the emotions and feel that love and feel how precious and beautiful and innocent and sweet this little guy is. And to say, Walter, I love you. 
right? And of course, when that started, I'm feeling it now, I burst into tears, right? Because I, it was the first time I realized, oh, I was pretty cool. I was pretty beautiful. And it's not just me, it's all of us. We're all that beautiful when we're five years old and younger. We're all that beautiful. And so through that and her constantly reminding me of how beautiful little Walter was, eventually I was able to look Walter in the eyes in the mirror, but see little Walter's eyes. And the moment I do that, I love him. And I realize, well, that's me. <laughs> I love me, right? And so I can say it, I love you, Walter. And then one of my favorite things to remind myself and all my clients is, Einstein said over 100 years ago, there is no time, and it's been proven scientifically ever since. It's a construct of our minds. So little Walter actually still exists, and I can have an ongoing interactive relationship with him, and I do. And that's what I recommend to everybody. It's powerful. And for most of us, the moment we see ourselves as that beautiful little person, it's easy to love ourselves. Wow. Yeah, because... You know, when I think about looking at a baby or a young child, I mean, that's what they emanate, exactly what we emanated at that age. Mm-hmm. And so to step back into that light and um and an understanding of where we came from as a soul and who we are and who that's still inside of us. I mean, that is so powerful, Walter. Yeah. Like turning the light switch back on inside. Like, yes, that's who I am. It is. It is. Yeah. And, uh, and, and especially to make that uh, what do you, would you call that where you're connecting the dots to connecting the child to the adult and realizing that even as the adult even though there are things that I don't like about myself that I want to improve I love me because when I see precious sweet innocent little Walter God he's beautiful and then all of us as little people Little Teresa, the thing she wants more than anything else in life is just to be loved, right? She's just dying to be loved. And so when we answer that call, oh, gosh, it's a beautiful thing because you feel it from both sides. You feel it as little you and you feel it as adult Teresa. And then it feels whole. Yeah, I like to remind myself all the time because that, you know, I'm human, so I'm not perfect but I'm here to explore. I'm here to have fun. I'm here to be enthusiastic. Cause that to me, that's my soul essence is enthusiasm. But no kidding. That's the name of your show. <laughs> I know. I love spirit it. gave me that name. Like, okay, so what's a good name from a podcast? Enthusiastically spiritual. I'm like, okay, that fits really well. So, you know, but, it, but it really is just remembering who I am as a soul in the midst of all the caca and stuff that I have to go through <laughs> while I'm here. <laughs> Yeah. I'll be nice yeah. that way, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And I love that philosophy of yours to, to have enthusiasm about life. One of my favorite quotes is from um, an American poet from the 1800s, a guy named Albert Hubbard. He said, Don't take life too seriously. You'll never get out of it alive. Love it. And to, yes. And to me, that means if you're going to have fun now, right? And why make a big deal out of something? Because you're going to die anyway, so why not have fun now? And so, uh, you know, I love your enthusiasm and something that my clients get tired of hearing from me, and that is, dude, have fun, have fun, have fun, have fun, have fun, have fun. Now, 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 because now is all you have. 
now, right. now. And the same thing with love. If you're going to feel love, have love in your life, figure out a way to do that, get that right now. It doesn't have to be Barbara who left you eight years ago uh-huh. and you still want her, <laughs> but somebody, you know, the cashier at the, at the supermarket, just when she said, thank you, how are you, right? That's love, right? So just find love, find be in the moment and search that out. And then we're happy. And then especially anything that we decide to do, even the dishes, vacuuming, cleaning the toilet, right? make it fun, <laughs> figure out a way to make it fun. Or at the very least, figure out a way to laugh about something while you're doing it. And to me, that's the secret. Well, happiness, right? Everybody, you know, we know wants to be happy. And yet we're usually putting that off. Yeah, after I uh, get that job, I'm going to be happier. After I find that person, I'm going to be happy, right? But the truth is, and we all know it, the ancients said it thousands of years ago, quantum physics is confirming it, that all you have is now. Right Right now. That's it, right now. And if you're going to do anything, be anything, have any power, now. And so fun, 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 fun. Enthusiasm. (laughs) Enthusiastic, yeah. but I love, I looked at your Instagram account. It said, you said on there, life should be fun. You have choices, therefore power. Yeah. That's the key. Having choices gives you power. I mean, because as a soul, I'm free. I'm a free agent yeah. in the universe, but it's all the things that we go through here that, you know, we put on top of us and all the concepts and beliefs, but, but life should be fun. Right, Walter? Yeah. Oh, big time. And then. You know, for me, having had my power taken away from me when I arrived at the orphanage, that's huge for me. Mm-hmm. And then my finding is with all of my clients, that's a big issue to have your own personal power, to feel like you have the option and the ability to make good choices, the freedom to make good choices, which we're finding a lot of people in on the planet don't have, right? Right, exactly. And or the situations we've been in, it just, it triggers all that lack of freedom yeah. from being in isolation and being told yeah. what to do with your body and et cetera, et cetera. It's like, it's kind of everywhere. So it's really, to me, it's like a time of, of great empowerment. If you can move beyond that and, and access what you're really here to do and who you are as a soul essence. Yeah. Um, my observation understanding is that every major religion has uh, some phrasing to the effect that we're created in the image and likeness of the creator and that this creator gave us absolute free will. And so the first concept and even tribal religions usually have those two principles in them based are based on that, which means we're here to create and creating is making choices and being created in the image and likeness of it's not a, a pretend thing. This is what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to be creative, to be creating. And then that second principle of absolute free will, well, you can't be an actual creator unless you're absolute, absolutely free to create anything and everything. The moment there's a limitation or a rule, you're not a creator, you're an imitator. And okay, there are rules of morality, And yet, clearly, look around, we're free to do whatever the hell we want, right? And to experience the consequences. And my understanding is that's what we're here for, to experience the opposite of being just like God or goddess. Because in that state, we're 
all beautiful. We're all knowing. Uh, we know only happiness, and yet we have no way to really treasure happiness or treasure beauty unless we have a framework within to put it within which to put it, which would be the opposite ugliness. Until you've experienced ugliness, you have no real deep appreciation for beauty. And I believe that's what we're here for. To you know, on the noticed on your website, you talk about learning lessons, right? And and yeah, to me, it's learning lessons, understanding, but I don't feel like those lessons are imposed upon us. I believe that we choose those lessons. Mm-hmm. And that's the power. That's the power. Whatever you want to experience, you got it, dude. And that includes being a victim for decades like I was, or it, it includes figuring out a way to have fun right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's also to me, I, I believe in we're all different states of consciousness. So, yeah. you know, and each person's on their unique journey. So some people, they may not get at this lifetime. They may have to go three or four more lifetimes to understand how to move out of that victimhood, you know, yeah. um, where, where they're stuck at, but it's okay. I mean, as long as, you know, but in some way, try, figure out how to have fun and how to step into that love vibration, which love yeah. equals creative, right? Yeah. And to me, love equals God, goddess. I like to think of God as a female energy love, right? And it says it says that in spiritual writings, God is love, goddess is love. And which then means love is goddess, love is the universe. And I also have the understanding that love is the only power that exists. Yeah, there's hate, right? But just like with light, Darkness doesn't exist until you cut off the light. You can't put a box of dark uh, darkness in a box, open up the box and fill the room with darkness. Not an option. But if the room is dark, the way to change that is to turn on the light or open the window and let the sunlight in. Right? So the only force, true force is light. And then the opposite is the absence of. And to me, it's the same with good and evil, with love and hate. Um, there's only one force, it's love. And if you cut that off, then yeah, it becomes hatred. It becomes insensitivity and meanness. And the same thing with, for me, evil. Evil exists, absolutely. But the way to overcome that is with love, not with beating it down with more evil. That just, well, like Jung says, what you resist persists. Without a doubt. And we're seeing that all over the globe, right? (laughs) Boy, howdy. Whoa. Yeah, in a big way. But, you know, um, I, I believe that where that things are really changing, though. I mean, everything happens for a reason. I also believe that everything is a mirror of what we're all feeling inside. Yeah. So that on so the outside is reflection of what many people are, unfortunately, feeling inside. Yeah, that's I think where mass, mass consciousness comes into play. Carl Jung talked about that a lot. And, and so do most of the modern spiritual writers. Mass consciousness, it exists. Oh, definitely. This mass identity of who we are and what we're going through and who the enemy is, et cetera. Right? Mm-hmm. And how much do you want to play in that field? Pass. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, Walter? Yeah. I, mean, we're, I, I feel the field every day, but I can say cleanse. I can, you know, keep myself grounded and balanced. But <clears throat> it, it is present. That's for darn sure. Yeah. No question. It is. Yeah. Another thing that uh, occurs to me to mention, you know, a lot of my clients um, have a difficult time understanding my my advice to have fun, figure out a way to have fun, because they can't figure out in term, realistic terms, how do I do that? How do I do that? 
And my favorite way is gratitude. Gratitude is powerful. It's magical to me. It's the key to most things in life. Um, gratitude is the antidote to emotional pain. If somebody has hurt you and you can come up with a reason that you're grateful for them in your life or something that you really love about them, it decreases the hurt. Your heart is open and it establishes at the very least more love, if not an actual connection of love. Same thing with, uh, um, fear. Um, things that we're afraid of, whether it's what a person might do or what a situation might bring. If we can be grateful for something in that situation or grateful about that person or the situation the person has created, then we end up opening our hearts. And when we open our hearts, not only is the love there, but we have clarity. Because when we don't find that gratitude we're, we're lost in our anger we're lost in our defensiveness and we have pretty much no clarity and we usually make irrational decisions mm -hmm. right and so when you bring in gratitude then at the very least it makes the situation more fun than it was if not fun outright outright fun because then you realize oh actually i love you and i know you didn't mean that and oh yeah right and then it's fun. <laughs> Definitely. I 100% believe that. So, Walter, let's talk a little bit about what you offer for your services for our clients. I know you have this amazing book, which they can get, and we'll have all this information in the show notes. But talk a little bit about your psychic um, services also. Okay, Most I'm of my... Thanks, Walter. No. <laughs> yeah. Teresa, did you, not, did you not hear me? I've been telling you I'm psychic since I was little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I mentioned that my handle is the empowerment psychic, and that's my whole purpose and is in each session to empower my client and uh, empower them with insight, psychic insight about, okay, this is where you've been. This is what happened to you. This is why you're responding this way to that situation now because of what you experienced when you were a kid and or in that last relationship. And then he, he, this is what this person is like. And, and how you can better communicate with this person that you're currently trying to work things out with. And this is the future path that you're on with this person. And here's how you can make it better, that future path, right? To me, all of that is empowerment because I set them up with information which allows them to make the choices which then give them the power. And in doing that, I use my psychic mediumship ability. I use Reiki. I use NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. And I use what I've learned from life, just, you know, life experience after however many years. Right? Oh, <laughs> I don't want to be that old. <laughs> yeah. You're a young man, Walter, please. Thank you so much. <laughs> You're making points. <laughs> you just, you just yeah. had a couple years of 20 some years of being a, or how many years were you a drummer? You said 20 years? Uh, 28 total. Yeah. 28 years. Okay. 28 so you're 30 years now. There you go. Walter. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. 30. <laughs> Very good. Thank you, Teresa. <laughs> well, it seems to me that through your work, you're really giving people hope and giving people the ability to empower themselves and to turn on that inner light and step into their greatness. Yep. I like how you put it, you and Tom on your site to become their best guru. Yes. I like that. It's beautiful to teach them how to really rely on their own, their own insight. And I, I try to teach everybody 
and I believe it's true, that we're all constantly getting psychic information and the source is irrelevant. It doesn't matter if it's um, Grandpa Mildred or Uncle Bob who died or if it's your guide that's been with you all your life or if it's the uh, collective entity Abraham from Abraham Hicks. It doesn't matter. Or if it's just goddess or God or it doesn't matter, right? But we get insight and and. What I have learned and what I try to teach people is, you know that it's inside, insight because of how it's making you feel. If it's just a sentence that you hear, probably isn't insight, probably isn't good guidance. But if that sentence <gasps> makes you excited, oh, makes you feel optimistic, then that's insight. That's information from the psychic world. We all get it. It's there all the time. And if we pay attention, and if we're having fun in the moment, our hearts are open, we have clarity, and we can make good choices. Mm. Have a nice day. I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much, Walter. Yeah, you're welcome. Oh, Walter, it has been such a pleasure having you on today. You are such a joy, and I appreciate you coming on and sharing your journey, your beautiful book. All all your amazing enthusiasm because you are such an enthusiastic (laughs) soul. So thank thank you you for for joining us today and, and, um, you know, gracing me with your presence, Walter. Thank you so much for having me, Teresa. I had a great time. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Enthusiastically Spiritual. I appreciate each and every one of you. I also thank Walter for stopping by today and sharing his amazing book, his insights, and what he's doing in the world to support others in being super enthusiastic and enjoying their life and being very present with where they are now. And just remember to please hit subscribe so you don't miss any of the upcoming episodes, which are released every Tuesday. And also please remember that life is too short to not be enthusiastic about your unique journey. Believe it or not, when you arrived back for another life, you were enthusiastic to be here. If you've lost that enthusiastic feeling, well, there's a way to reawaken it. It's by embracing a bigger spiritual picture of your life as a soul and igniting the feeling of spiritual freedom within. So if you are ready and needing some more enthusiastic mojo for your life, follow the link in the show notes where you can access a free video series created by the Wayshowers College and start recapturing the enthusiasm you have within for your unique journey.